All right, after uh, a little bit of a hiatus there, we're back with another episode of Couchside Sports. We are back. We're back, episode seven, as always. Your host, Kyle French. And Michael Burke. And we're here giving you our perspectives on sports from the comforts of our living room, right on our couches. Yeah, how it should be. The way it should be. And uh, today we got an interesting show for you guys today. We're going to get into some, some niche sports. Oh, yeah. Some it. obscure topics. Mm-hmm. You got some, uh, some examples? Um, we're going to be talking about, well, you're going to be talking about some disc golf. Yep. I'll be doing the ad libs for that. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I'm going to be, I'm going to be talking about some darts. Okay. And then, uh. A little kayak slalom. Maybe. Yeah. 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 We'll, you know, we'll there's see. a bunch we'll of, bunch of sports that fly under the radar that really deserve attention. And that's what we're going to try to do, you know, cause we see a wide variety from our couches. Yeah. Everything at your fingertips. Yep. And one big thing that happened recently was the uh, PGA Championship in golf. Mm-hmm. And this isn't an obscure sport, but just worth a mention. Yeah. And uh, Justin Thomas won. Okay. And the PGA recently has seen a, a long string of uh, first-time winners. It's been a while, except for Jordan Spieth, who's won three now, three majors. Jordan. Yeah. For the most part, it's been a new new winner, a first-time winner for the most of the uh, championships the past five, six years. We haven't seen anyone come in and dominate like Tiger. Nice, but it was good I like to see, that. Uh, spread the spread the wealth. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it was good to see another young guy win. Yeah. And I actually saw him when I was working the Travelers Championship in Cromwell, Connecticut. He was playing in a group that I was holding the ropes for, you know, gallery control. Oh, yeah. And uh, <laughs> I'm a big fan of his game because he was really upset. And he actually told the crowd at one point that he was, he was looking, like, really mad and down on himself. They're like, Justin, like, what's the deal, man? You're playing golf for a living. Like, why are you so so upset? And he's like, yeah, this is just what I get for choosing to play golf for a living. I shouldn't have done this shit. <laughs> and he Damn. said that, like, to the crowd. And, oh, shit. And, like, that's exactly how I feel every time I play golf. So he quickly, <laughs> quickly became one of my favorite players. <laughs> so it's good to see him win. And then uh, we also saw the English Premier League soccer, or football, as they say. Football. Uh, that started up about a week ago. So I know neither of us follow that too closely but we might have some some guests come in and talk about it yeah yeah we've got uh some guests lined up for you guys so stay tuned for that we got one of the brightest soccer minds in the world uh don't try to guess we probably never heard of him before but yeah yeah (laughs) yeah but uh first we're gonna get into a twitter question sent in from a a fan and follower all right you know and as always you guys can uh, tweet us at couchside sports with a Z. With a Z. With a Z. Don't forget the Z. You can't. And uh, so this was sent in from Keenan Not Kel. Three what's, days what's ago. The handle? What's the handle? Keenan Not Kel. Uh, Keenan Not Kel. Okay, okay. To play on words for Nice, me. I like it. You know, I like Keenan it. Keenan and Kel. It's pretty clever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty nice. It's pretty nice. And uh, he said, out at Couchside Sports with a Z, <laughs> how do y'all feel about the Marshawn Lynch and Michael Bennett sitting situation and it being a non-issue for teams? So, of course, he's referring to Marshawn Lynch and Michael Bennett not standing for the anthem during preseason NFL games and it not being a huge deal and not blowing up the way Kaepernick's did. And he's, you know, wondering what our thoughts are on that and, and why that's the case. Well, I would say, honestly, like the uh, response that we gave on Twitter, um, Colin Kaepernick is pretty much the face of, like, that particular, like, I don't know, like, civil action, what he's trying to do is bring, you know, yeah. awareness to what he wanted to. And I think Marshawn Lynch and, and Michael Bennett are just supporting him. 
Mm-hmm. And them sitting and stuff, obviously, is not going to get that much attention because Kaepernick did this last year, and that was when everybody was all up in the hoopla about it. I honestly don't think it's like a big deal at all. I actually like yeah. I like them sitting, and I okay. feel like I feel like honestly, like more players should do it, just because like the NFL is such an African American like dominated sport, and like now like you look at it, like Kaepernick doesn't have a job because of kneeling, you know. It's like crazy. Yeah, 50, probably 50% of the reason he doesn't have a job. Yeah. I mean, yeah. He I he he did go to a Super Bowl, but he also did have a, like a year where he struggled and was not good at all. But I would just think I think the majority of it is because he knelt and people don't want to deal with that. So I feel like if more players start doing it where they, they sit down or something like that, it might lessen the amount or like the, how much of an issue it actually is for like Kaepernick as well. Cuz when you have a bunch of other players doing it, then it's not just on Kaepernick. There's got other people doing it. So like, yeah. So I don't, I don't mind if they, you know, choose to make their stance this way. And I'm also not surprised that it was these two guys. I mean, two like characters who, not that you'd say like, oh, I predict that they will do this, but you know, Michael Bennett's a very outspoken guy. Yeah, they both are. Uh, yeah. Him and you know his brother Martellus, very outspoken, and they've spoken on these issues before. And they just always have this this attitude and personality that, you know, leads to them being one of the, one of the first people that comes to mind who would take action like this. And you know, Marshawn Lynch is a character. Oh yeah. So apparently, that guy's he's, awesome. been, apparently I love that he's guy. been sitting for years. He says. Oh really? Yeah. He's like, yeah, I didn't really do it in protest. I just, it's just what <laughs> I did. Rest I my just knees. <laughs> sit on sit on the bench and eat Skittles. You know? <laughs> So. I've seen some crazy videos of him where he was in like Scotland and where he yeah. was like hanging out with Bear Grylls. Like Marshall Lynch is awesome. I love that guy. Yeah, he's he's <laughs> great. But yeah, I think you know it blew up around the whole Kaepernick situation because he was like the first one to do it, and he took a very strong stance on it and backed it up every time he was asked about it. Yeah. And so I think it got under a lot of people's skin, and a lot of people on the flip side of the coin got behind him a lot. But now it's like. You can't repeat it over and over and have it be a big deal. Like people have seen it before, yeah. and it's kind of like weathered down by now. Yeah, they're like desensitized to it. Yeah, like. desensitized to it, and they're not surprised to see it anymore. They, you know, they almost expect that some guys will do it. Yeah, and so that's why it's just it's not going to be that big of a deal. I like never really thought it was like a big of a deal, like that big of a deal, because honestly, it's a protest, yes, but it's and there's no disrespect to any veterans or anything like that. Like, Kaepernick said that. It's like, nah, yeah. like, I'm not, like, doing anything like in disrespect to, like, people that, like, fought for my freedom and stuff like that. He's literally just doing it because of, like, the oppression of, like, of people of color in the, in the nation. So, like, it's a peaceful protest. Like, I don't see anything wrong with it. Like, with, with what just happened in, like, Charlottesville with all that violence and stuff like that, like, that's not okay. But, like, having a peaceful protest is fine. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And another thing that I always thought of when he took this action was if he was really trying to make a stance and, like, show as many people as possible, like, the issues he wanted to bring to their attention, he did his job. Exactly. Like, he has, he got everybody's attention. Yeah. And, like, oh, he should have done it a different way. Well, maybe if he didn't do it in the way he did, people wouldn't have paid attention. Exactly. And so he was somewhat successful in getting, you know, his thoughts and uh, you know, his intent out there. Now, whether people think it was the best way to do it and they think he's, you know, disrespecting the, the military or veterans, I mean, that's for them to decide. Obviously, he came out and said he wasn't, as yeah. as you stated earlier. So, yeah, I don't think 
Marshawn and Michael Bennett, if they continue to do this, I don't think it will be a big deal. If other guys do it at the start of the season, I don't think it's going to be a big deal. I don't think the league is going to condemn them for it. No. You know, if they were, they would have already put a rule in place for the season. Yeah. You can't and, put a uh, rule for that. Like, yeah, the person yeah. has a right to stand, sit, kneel, lay down on their back, lie down yeah. on their stomach if they want to during the national anthem. Like, yeah, they have the right to. It's just whether people perceive it to be disrespectful in a way. But uh, yeah, I don't really have a problem with it, and I think Marshawn and and Michael Bennett are pretty comfortable taking the stances they're taking, or in Mike, or I mean Marshawn Lynch's situation, I guess. He's just doing him, so <laughs> that's all Marshall Lynch does, man. He just uh, does him. Yeah, so he's a goat, but yeah, but yeah. Thank you to at Keenan not Cal for sending that in. Yeah, uh, please send in questions, guys. We will answer them, you know, on our on our next episode. So anything on your mind? And like Burke said last time, doesn't even have to be sports related. Yeah, it can be anything. Like, how do you like your coffee from Dunkin' Donuts? I'll be like, dark roast, two creams, two sugars. Like, wow. <laughs> two creams, two sugars. Okay, yeah. that's one way to get your morning started. <laughs> it's the only way for me. And I think it's a great time to plug our sponsor, Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> they might be going through a name change and making it just Dunkin'. Don't do it. Don't do it. They All that change it to just donuts. <laughs> just donuts. <laughs> donuts. <laughs> donuts. And by the end of it, it would be like they have monopolized the brand. Yeah. You know, like how Kleenex and uh, and tissues did. Like oh, everybody yeah. says, like, can I get a Kleenex? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even that's a brand. Might not be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. it's gonna be like that. Yeah. Be like, yo, can I get a donut? And they'd be like, go to that store. So Yeah, go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we'll see what they do there. We'll we'll keep you guys updated. And uh, now we're going to move on. We're going to talk about Ezekiel Elliott's suspension. All right. So he got, right now, he has six games for pretty much they list as like general misconduct. It was like a domestic abuse charge, I believe. Yep, yep. And uh, <laughs> and he pulled down the girl's top. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was did. no complaint about that though. She, yeah. <laughs> she she did not complain. She was like, "Yeah, it's Zeke. <laughs> yeah, if he wants to cool. show my tits to everybody, let him." <laughs> yeah, and he did a bunch of other stuff too. You hear he got he like punched out a guy in a, in a bar in Texas. I I didn't hear that, but oh, you didn't? sounds yeah. like sounds like him. Like under while he was being investigated by the NFL, he like got in an argument at a bar and just KO'd a guy. Ah oh, man, I don't like that. I don't like I Zeke, you're gonna make me not like you, man. You're an NFL player, you can't go around just punching people. Yeah. Pretty ignorant of him. Yeah. Um so he he did file for appeal and so we'll see there's a chance that he serves no games this year. Uh we talked earlier, we don't think it'll be the ga- number of games he'll be suspended will be dropped. No, it's going to stay at six. Yeah. Like the NFL, after everything that happened with the like Ray Rice situation and everything, you're getting six games, especially if it's domestic violence. You're getting your six games. I think it honestly, if it comes out and it is proven that you like beat your girlfriend or something like that, like you should get more than six games. But that's just me. Yeah, I agree with that. And I agree there's no way that the NFL is going to fold again and, and reduce the number of games. Uh, so right now it's just kind of a – a matter of whether he gets it like pushed back a year, similar to how Tom Brady did. Yeah. With Deflategate, he still got his four games, which he was which is stupid initially given. Uh, he just was able to push it back a year because of the appeals process. Four um, games for deflated footballs, <laughs> but if you beat your girlfriend, it's only two extra games. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a shame. So, how does this uh, affect the Cowboys? Um, it affects the Cowboys a little bit. 
I, I'm I'm a strong believer in that the Cowboys always have pretty decent running backs because their O line is so good. Like if you yeah, look at sure. Darren McFadden, I I believe that he's going to perform in Zeke's absence. You know they also can attack you in other ways. Like Dak Prescott is great with like rushing and stuff like that. He's got a good, pretty good arm. And they have Des Bryant. And they got Des Bryant, who is Des Bryant's honestly like becoming a joke. What when was the last? That? When was the last time Des Bryant had an actual good season? Like an actual like wow, like he's an elite receiver in the NFL season. I can't I even. Mean, I can't even recall. But the talent's there. The talent the, the, is there. When, uh, when they, it's not translating. Yeah, but the year that he had the drop or whatever, or like the catch drop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was probably his last like really good season. Yeah, I avoid him in fantasy. But, I got him last year, and he just frustrated me the whole year. So like this year, I passed him. Well, that's because I mean, as good as Dak Prescott was leading the Cowboys, he didn't really look. He at wasn't. Him. He's not an elite like fantasy. Yeah. Talent that's going to make take Des Bryant to the next level. So. Um, so I'm looking at their the schedule here for the Cowboys, and if he is suspended for the first, and it's six games, not six weeks, so they do have a, a bye week, week six, oh, so he and it doesn't end then, it seven. will go through week seven, so six so games. Play week eight. Gotcha. Uh, so his first game, I believe, would be against the Redskins on the 29th. Oh, he's going to run for 100 yards and two TDs. <laughs> <laughs> but this is a tough schedule that they won't have him for. Yeah. They kick off the season. In the division against the Giants. I think the Giants are going to win that game. Who I mean, that's their stiffest competition in that division. So that's going to be a tough one without Zeke. Then they go and play the Broncos. I think they can beat the Broncos, though. Without They can beat the Broncos because the Broncos don't have much of an offense right now. Exactly. But if you don't have a good running game, the I mean, Broncos... They, they got McFadden. Yeah, but <laughs> I'm just saying it's not Zeke. And if you, if you can allow those edge rushers to come off and yeah. you know, kill Dak Prescott and you don't have any... Running game to counteract it that could hurt them. The Cardinals are a good defense. I think that I think they would lose to the Cardinals as well. And, I uh, feel like after three weeks they could be one and two. Yeah, I agree. And then they got the Rams. They're gonna beat the Rams. They can win that game. <laughs> and then they have the Packers. That's the tough they, one. I mean, they can't beat the Packers. Imagine. Okay, so the Cowboys With really the could come out and be two and three after five weeks. Yeah. And you know, then after that they can try to. I mean, they straighten it out and they'll get their team back. <laughs> and, of course, we don't even know. I mean, Zeke could be there for these games and make a a big impact. Yeah. It's just tough to tell at the moment. So that's the impact on the actual Cowboys and the actual football season. But let's talk about, more importantly, the fantasy season. Oh, the fantasy season. Fantasy season. Let's talk about this. Because we had our uh, fantasy football draft last night for our group of friends. Um, we did pretty well. My friend Kyle over here had the uh, second overall pick. I had the third. It's random yep. every year, so don't think that we got high picks because we sucked. But it's <laughs> random every year. And uh, why don't we? You want to talk a little strategy? What you what you're going for? Or? Uh, yeah. So I mean, I had the second pick, so I pretty much knew I was getting David Johnson or Le'Veon Bell, and I was completely fine with that. Um, I, I ended up getting Le'Veon Bell as David Johnson went first overall. And then you went receiver with your next pick. Yeah, I I took Antonio Brown. Obviously, I was I was hoping that David Johnson or Bell would fall to me, yep. just because I feel like running back is like a super important position, and it's not as deep as wide receivers. Um, I considered Julio Jones. Uh, he's gonna have a great schedule. He's gonna, in my in uh, Atlanta. I think that they might regress a little bit though. 
Yeah, and I, mean, I think I, I think I I couldn't pass on Antonio Brown. The dude's a, the dude's a savage. So yeah. I I picked up the receiver. I picked up Antonio Brown. It's interesting to see two Steelers go in the top three. I mean, they have. I mean, they they deserve have a, to. They have a just, great offense. Yeah, it's crazy to think that they go two three like that. Yeah, and then um, so having a a high draft or an early draft pick as we did, you kind of get this weird lull. Yeah, so you go you go like twenty picks, not twenty, but for me it was like fifteen, seventeen, Same, yeah. yeah, whatever it was. I can't count, but you go through this whole period where you it's hard to get a good strategy. Yeah, because there there's a guy you want or a position you really want, and you just have to hope he falls to you. There's a lot yeah. less like organization to it, and so I actually really wanted Gronk at nineteen. Yeah, late second round. And if I didn't get him, I was considering going with like a Greg Olson or something, but it was gonna be tough. I really wanted Gronk, and he ended up going nine, which was a lot earlier than I thought. Yeah, that was a that Mike Tosi. What were you doing, man? I I mean I Why don't you hate take the pick. Gronk at nine. I don't hate the pick. I know I, he's injury prone, but he's so injury prone. He's gonna play like six games for him. I'm a Pats fan, and I can say that. Like Gronk know, is know, Gronk but... is gonna miss at least two games this year, at least. Yeah, probably at least two. But still, just if he is healthy, he can single-handedly almost win you the league. Yeah. Getting like 20 points a game from the tight end position. That is true. And also, like, looking at it, Tosi took, our friend Tosi took Gronk at 9, but then he had the 12th pick and he took DeMarco Murray, which is not a bad pick at all. I'm a little worried about Murray because, you know, I feel like he might get injured just because last year he, he had a great year and the year before that he had a great year. And before that, DeMarco Murray was kind of like known as an injury-prone guy, but we'll see what happens yep. there. But um, And what did you do with your uh, second-round pick here? So my second-round pick, so obviously since I had Antonio Brown as a wide receiver, I was picking 18, and then I was going to pick 23. So my thought for 18 was to take a running back because with my 23, I was going to take another receiver if, I wa- if the receiver was there that I wanted, or I was going to take another running back. So, what I did is I took Jordan Howard. Okay. Jordan Howard is the starter for Chicago. I had him last year. He was pretty decent. Had like he had a great season. He averaged like five point two yards per carry. So I was like, you know what? I'm gonna roll the dice. I was thinking about waiting a little bit and trying to get Lamar Miller, but then also I don't really trust Lamar Miller. And I mean, Jordan Howard is in Chicago, which isn't the best, the greatest offense. But they well, don't he really will have, be the focal point of he that will, Exactly. He will be the focal point. He's going to get the touches. So I went with him. So he's my running back one. And what did yeah. you do? You picked a you picked So right same thought me. process as you. I went running back first, so I had to get wide receiver. I I just don't think you can go two running backs or two wide receivers in a row with your first two rounds because you've got to get a, a WR1 and RB1. So I went Amari Cooper. He had a great season last year with Oakland. They're on the rise. Derek Carr is starting to become an elite quarterback. He was right near the top for best fantasy quarterbacks last year, and Cooper was his top target. Yep. And, uh, you know, they lost Latavius Murray in the run game, so, you know, they did get Marshawn Lynch. Yeah. But Marshawn Lynch is not the pass-catching back that Murray was, so I think there's going to be more targets out there for the Oakland receiving core. And Lynch has come out of retirement, so he could have a slow start and stuff like that. Absolutely. And then, uh, so I kind of had this... Not back-to-back picks, but I had 19 and 22. And I went with best available, and I felt that that was Todd Gurley. 
because his rookie season. So last year he went in the in the uh, early second round. I want to say because he had a really good rookie season and he fell off last year. But that was I felt that was more to the, the disorganization of the Rams, like franchise as a whole. They didn't know who their quarterback was. They didn't know when their coach was going to be fired, which he inevitably was. Yeah. And uh, it was just kind of a mess. And I saw some stats that he went against, like, a stacked box more than any back in the league. Yeah. And so hopefully that frees up and he returns to his uh, his earlier form. Hey, new city, and new girly. Yeah, that's true, even though he didn't change teams. <laughs> new city. <laughs> and, uh, and, yeah, so I really think that he could be uh, an asset there in the early third round. And the guy who was going to take, if I went receiver, you ended up taking right after me in Brandon Cooks. Yeah, yeah. So one thing I did notice is our one of our friends, um, Nick, took Leonard Fournette with the first pick of the third round. I thought that, that was a little early. I was hoping that yeah. he would fall. I was actually like thinking if Leonard Fournette got to me in the fourth round, I was going to take him. But he went. So then I was like, I was looking at receiver, and I was also looking at running back. And... I was debating in my mind Brandon Cooks or Marshawn Lynch, um, and I couldn't pass on B. Cooks. I'm a Pats fan, love Brady. I feel like B. Cooks is going to have a Randy Moss-esque, not like the season Randy Moss had when he had like 23 touchdown receptions, but I just feel like if Brady's going to have a great year, it's going to be because B. Cooks went off with him. Yeah, Because Gronk isn't like that reliable. Obviously, he's going to be there, and he's going to get like the red zone like looks and stuff like that but i just feel like he's gonna get hurt at some point there's always edelman to drop like to drop it off but this is the first time that he's had a real like outside like deep fast like speed threat since randy moss and we saw what randy moss did so i was like I'm, i have to take him because now my my receiving core is you know b cooks and antonio brown which is pretty good yeah that's solid yeah and then marshawn lynch got picked to pick right after yeah right so. after you yep and then uh as we preached when we did our fantasy football kind of draft analysis a couple episodes ago, we were stressing getting a great tight end early. Oh, yeah. In the first four or five rounds. And so in round four, I'm sitting at pick 39, and I'm like, <laughs> all right, I'm going to get Travis Kelsey or Greg Olson, either one that's available. I'm pick 39, and at 37, Travis Kelsey goes off the board, and at 38, it was me. You and grabbed Greg I grabbed Olson Greg right Olson. out of my clutches. I had to because last year I had Delaney Walker. He's a decent tight end, top five. I think he finished five. Oh, wow, did he? Yeah. That's not bad. Yeah. So I was like, I was thinking maybe I should wait, but also Greg Olson is just so reliable. He's like this number two tight end every year. Yeah, super low key too. Exactly. So, and also at the time I was looking at the available running backs because I did want to fill out my next running back position. So I was picking 38 and I was picking 43. So my thought was I'll get a tight end now and then at 43 I can see what's available for running backs. I was looking at Danny Woodhead because I feel like he could be pretty nice in Baltimore. But I was like, I need to get a tight end now. So I got Greg Olson and I'm glad that I did because knowing that if I didn't, then Kyle over here snatched him up. Yeah, so then I was stuck with a, a tough decision i ended up going to marius thomas who i don't love but i thought he was the best talent available and he's as far as receivers he was probably i don't think he was the top 10 receiver picked not even close and i would say he's he's competitive for a top 10 receiver in the nfl yeah so the skills are there the talent is there who knows who his quarterback's going to be thrown to him 
But hopefully he can make something happen. You know, and he's just a WR2 for me. But, yeah, like I said, I really wanted a tight end, and I just couldn't reach. Kelsey and Olsen were the two guys I wanted. I couldn't reach for Jimmy Graham that early. I couldn't reach for Tyler Eifert that early. And uh, so I waited. And then with my next pick in these kind of back-to-back segments here, where I went 39-42, I took Matt Ryan. Because I figured I I like waiting on quarterbacks. But it was kind of, if I didn't get my tight end, I'll just go quarterback. I'll fill that out. I'll get a great quarterback to try to make up for that lack of a tight end and get one as soon as I can. And uh, I did end up getting Tyler Eifert in round six a little later. So my tight end position isn't, uh, it's not terrible, but it's definitely a question mark. Yeah. And you followed up uh, right after me. You went quarterback as well. Yeah. So my thought process, we're in round five and I was picking 43. And I was looking, I obviously wanted to fill out my running back position. Danny Woodhead got taken 41. So I was like, there goes the running back I wanted. And so I was looking at the other ones and it was like Joe Mixon. It was like Carlos Hyde. I was like, I'm not comfortable with Carlos Hyde. Yeah. Ty, Montgomery, Ty Montgomery, maybe. I don't know. I was like, I, you know what? I feel like I can wait on a running back because I had a guy in mind that I was lo- looking at and I ended up getting him later. But I saw people were taking um, QBs. Tom Brady went pretty early. Matt Ryan went to pick before to you. So I was like, you know what? I might as well go pull the trigger, get Drew Brees, have that. You know, he's going to be top five quarterback, no doubt. Yeah. So like be. now, so now I'm looking at my team and I've got Drew Brees. I've got a decent running back in uh, Jordan Howard. My wide receivers are looking great in B. Cooks and Antonio Brown. And I picked up Greg Olson. So yeah. like my team was looking pretty good at this point. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to get the QB. I can wait on my running back too. Because, you know, I, I'm pretty good with uh, – the waiver wire and stuff like that. So I feel like if I need to, I can find a running back later in the season. But stay yep. tuned to hear what I picked for my second running back. Ooh. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, like I mentioned, I got Tyler Eifert in round six, right at the end there with 59. And then after that, it was just about shoring up my flex options and getting a backup tight end. So in my next few picks, I went uh, Mark Ingram out of New Orleans. And I... I almost took Adrian Peterson because I really do think he could be the more valuable back there. I said it the other day. I love AP, and he he is a little old, and I'm worried that he won't get the touches and uh, especially third down chances that Mark Ingram will get. So I had to go Mark Ingram, probably the safer pick. And then uh, I went Jeremy Macklin and Martellus Bennett with my next two picks just to try to, you know, Bennett to short my tight end position in case Eifert doesn't work out. I have a, a decent backup there. And Jeremy Macklin, I don't know, we'll see what he does in Baltimore. He was great in Philly, and I'm I'm waiting for him to kind of return to that form. So yeah. I just grabbed a few guys to try to shore up, you know, my, my next ups, if you will. Yeah, yeah. So for me, round six, I was picking 58, and then round seven I was picking 63. So I had, you know, just a few picks in between. So I was like, you know what, I can wait on my running back. I don't think anybody's going to take him. I was actually hoping for Mark Ingram at that point, but he got taken off the board right before me. But round six, I took Kyle Rudolph because I always like to have two like nice tight ends. They were, they were two and three last year. So now if I want to, I can run Kyle Rudolph at my flex or I can use him as trade bait to get a running back because now yep. you know somebody doesn't have a top 10 tight end because I have two in the top five. I'm right over here. <laughs> like Kyle Rudolph is nice. I, I I wouldn't sleep on him. Him and Sam Bradford like developed a rapport last year. He's a big guy. They look to him at the in the red zone and stuff like that. So I was like, you know what? I'm gonna do it. 
So then right after that, we picked 63 in round seven. I needed, to, I really wanted to finish out my running back to finish out yeah, my lineup. Yeah, you only had one at this point, I right? only had one running yeah. back at that point. So I went with my main man. I'm a Pats fan, so I loved him for a while as LeGarrette Blunt. He's in Philly now. I was like, you know what? Why not gamble on him? Because Ryan Matthews got released. He's like the main running back out there. I mean, obviously they have Sproles and stuff, but Sproles is more pass catching. And uh, Philly likes to run in the red zone, just like the Pats do. Um, I think they were like, I saw a stat. I think it might have been like this. They've, they had the six most attempts when it was like first and goal. Or not first and goal, but it was like goal line Yeah, yeah. The, uh, in running. And LeGarrette Blount has the most yards within five yards of the uh, goal line in like past they were two the, seasons. They were the most likely to have uh, asked Matt and recommend a goal line strategy. For like a... <laughs> 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 no, you know, like the the NFL, yeah, yeah, you know, the yeah, Madden yeah, video games. Yeah, yeah. You click Ask Madden. <laughs> That's what they do. You, and Madden do says, HB run dot. the ball. <laughs> do an HB dive. Yeah. And, uh, so I got yeah. LeGarrette. And then one thing that I noticed is B. Cooks and Antonio Brown both had buys in week nine. So, like, my week nine is looking kind of uh, – I think Jordan Howard might have a week nine buy too. So it's like, oh, man, like, my week nine is going to be weak. Oh, my, my buy weeks are – I'm beat. Yeah, so I mean, <laughs> be, I don't really care about the bye weeks because I, I, I'll lose one week. I'll lose week nine. But other than that, I need my receivers. Those receivers are lit. Yeah, so I made a, a big mistake as far as Adobe Flash player goes. <laughs> uh, I couldn't get into the regular draft room because I didn't have my Adobe fully upgraded. And uh, the download just wasn't working for me. So I had to use the light draft mode. It was tough. It was really tough, man. I couldn't get... It didn't tell me who was injured. It didn't tell me who was suspended. It didn't tell me. It didn't even tell me their past stats or their projected stats. It didn't tell me what their bye weeks were. I just had a bunch of names in front of me, man. It was, <laughs> it was tough. And uh, and about six or seven rounds through, I was like, oh wow, I wasn't looking at the bye weeks. And I asked the guy next to me, I was like, hey, pull up, pull up my team. Let me see my bye weeks. And uh, yeah, seven rounds in, and I had four starters with a, a week five bye. So week five is looking slow for you. Yeah, it's gonna be. It's probably gonna be an L. But but once I uh, I hit that point, I started trying to hunt down the other guys with week five buys. Because I was like, let's just if I'm gonna lose, I may as well lose big. You know, I'll just get everybody on my team week five, and I'll be full full strength every other week. Every other week. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, if anybody out there has guys with week five buys, I'm willing to trade. I'm all ears. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, then the rest of the draft, you're pretty much just shoring up your bench, a couple sleepers. Yeah. I I tried to go with guys who were, like, primed to finally have a breakout season. I also picked – so I finished out my draft with round eight. I took Deshaun Jackson just because I need a receiver for week nine to fill in for one of my receiver spots. I feel like Deshaun, you know, alongside Mike Evans, he's probably going to be pretty good. He did well at the end of last year. He's a speed demon, so I was like, why not? And who's that you're talking about? Uh, Deshaun Jackson. Oh, Deshaun Jackson. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So then yeah. round round nine and ten, I was like, I want to go like high upside. So round nine, I took Amir Abdullah. Very injury prone, but if he stays in the field, he has a like, decent chance to be pretty productive. Yeah, that could be a steal. Because uh, so, like last year, he played week one and did extremely well. But then he had like, tw- like we do half PPR. And he had like 12 attempts, 63 yards. And he also had five catches for 57 yards and a touchdown. So he gets that us- that usage. I just hope that he stays healthy. Uh, round 10, I went Dante Moncrief. 
just another wide receiver. He's the number two option over there in Indy. Hopefully he'll have a breakout. That's what I'm hoping. I mean, obviously some of these guys aren't going to work out, but I just was like, whatever. Uh, round 11, I wanted the Chiefs D and special teams yeah, just because Tyreek <laughs> Tyree Hill is a savage and is probably going to run back like four like punt return TDs or four kickups. Yep. So he's going to be nice. So, But Kyle was picking right before me and took him. So Snagged him. round 11, I took the Texans D just because they're getting J.J. Watt back. And, you know, they didn't have him last year and they they allowed the fewest yards in, uh, for defenses in the NFL. So I was like, oh, I might as well take them. Yep. Uh, round 12. I took my boy CJ Procise, Procise, however you say it. Yeah, Procise. Just because over there in Seattle, I mean, obviously they have Eddie Lacy and Thomas Rawls, but Eddie Lacy's a question mark. Thomas Rawls, I don't know really too much about him. I don't think either of them are like really pass catchers, so I went with CJ no. Procise because he's the you know the pass catcher over there in Seattle, and like Russell Wilson likes to dump it off and stuff. So I got him. Then thirteen, I got my kicker Vinatieri. And 14, round 14, I had to take a handcuff just because I had to. And yeah, I said before. That's a decent sleeper pick there. Yeah, so I said before how I'm, you know, questioning if DeMarco Murray can stay healthy all year. So round 14, I took Derrick Henry's back up because I feel like if DeMarco Murray goes down, Derrick Henry has, like, running back one potential if he gets those carries. But we'll see what happens. But that's how I ended out my draft. Yeah, and like Berg mentioned, I stole the Chiefs D from him in round 11. They're the second defense off the board. I thought it was a great time to go for a defense. Uh, you know, we did our draft together. Like, most of the guys doing the draft, we were all sitting around the same table. And mm-hmm. I was actually taking heat for, for taking a defense that early, which I was surprised by. No, I, I, I honestly think that— I mean, I was thinking D the whole way there. Yeah, because once, you, once you've really filled out, like, a few of your, like, key reserves— then I would say go for a defense. You can like stream defenses, obviously, but I always just like to be like have a solid like top five defense if you can do that. Yeah. And there was a defense that was taken before that in round ten. It was yeah, the, Broncos the Broncos D, which is questionable because I would have definitely one hundred percent taken the Chiefs D before the Broncos D. Yeah, I would have too. But I mean, and the Broncos teams. were the top defense last year, and they had the most touchdowns like scored. Yeah. Last year, so I think that was one of the reasons. You know, the guy who, who took him. Oh, it was, never mind. I thought it was Tosi, but it was a different guy. It was Tay. Yeah, it was Tay. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I was really happy with getting the Chiefs D. And like you said, because of Tyreek Hill. I wanted Tyreek Hill, and he went in between one of those long lulls I had between picks. Yeah. But de- taking the Chiefs D, I have like 50% of Tyreek Hill. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> you know, I looked at the guy who actually drafted him five rounds earlier, and I was like, I ha- I own just as much of Tyree Kill as you do. <laughs> and then just because I wanted to fill out the special teams in uh, in a nice order, I went with the Chiefs kicker as well, Cairo Santos. And, uh, yeah, kickers don't really matter much. Yeah. You just find out halfway through the year. You p- you pick someone on a decent team, a decent offense, and, and hope – they get stuck around the thirty yard line, have to kick a bunch of fifty yard field goals. <laughs> but it's it's all it's all mostly luck. Yeah. These guys were consistently at the top, but yeah, yeah, it's it's a crapshoot. But uh, let us so know yeah. what you think of our teams if you're listening. Yeah, we'll post them. Uh, we'll put them up on Twitter. Yeah, we'll put up a picture of the rosters. Let let you uh, vote. Yeah. You know, oh, and I think two. we're gonna do. Uh, you'll also see on Twitter later. We'll do our Bud Light power rankings. Oh yeah, that's I, gonna be. 
That's gonna be fun. Yeah, if you saw the other the picture we put up a few few days ago, maybe close to a week now, uh, we did get the thirty six pack Bud yeah. Light team team logo pack. Nice. So we got one of uh, one can for each team, and we'll uh, we'll use those to show our power rankings. Yeah. And maybe some other extracurricular activities. <laughs> That can't be done in studio, but uh, <laughs> I mean, they could they be. They could be, but, but then I think it's we probably upon. wouldn't be able to get you guys another episode ever. <laughs> um, so yeah, go to our Twitter page at Couchside Sports with a Z. With a Z. To uh, to be waiting on that, and now we're gonna transition into the uh, a topic I've been excited to get to. Oh yeah, the segment that you guys have been waiting for probably that since everybody's the all been waiting for. Sports you didn't know were intense. Oh. Strike to claim it. A strike to claim it. And he got it! That is why I did it! That's number five! Are you kidding me? That's right! Who do you think you are? I am! Damn it, right! All right, and Damn, we, that was uh, intense. <laughs> yeah, that was that was electric. Right that was electric. If you don't know uh, of what that came from, that was Pete Weber of the Professional Bowling Association. Oh yeah, bowling a clutch strike to clutch close strike. close out his opponent. Whoever think you are, he is. Just yeah. know that. Yeah, just know that. <laughs> I still don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. Like either. I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> but uh, anyway, that was electric and intense. And, and that's now what we're looking into, for. Uh, yeah, that's what that's what we're looking for. That's what we need. And we're going to get into a couple other sports that you might not know of, oh, you yeah. might not follow too closely, that provide the same enjoyment and intensity as you know the regular, the big, the big sports. All right. And the first one that I want to mention is disc golf. Disc golf is fun. Disc golf is incredible. Have you played? Yes, I've played. You played? I only played once, but it was okay. fun. Yeah. Yeah, I just I, I actually it. just started playing. Recently, I've played like maybe twice in my life, but then the past month I've played five times, I think. So I'm a lefty. You're a lefty. Yeah. I mean, I'm a righty, but after I like broke my wrist when I was a kid, I don't really have as much movement in it. So when I throw oh. the frisbee, I like to throw it lefty now so I can wow. flick that wrist, you know? I never noticed that. I feel like I played can jam with you and never noticed that. Yeah. Wow. But anyway, disc golf, PDGA, Professional Disc Golf Association. Mm. That just rolls off the tongue. Yeah, it really does roll off the tongue. And let me tell you, I've been catching up on the PDGA recently, and it's incredible what these guys do. Like, they purposely – so, first off, the discs are all, like, different sizes and weights. Like, they have a bunch of different ones in their bag, and some, like, dive hard right or go hard left or, they like, double cross each other. They even throw shots where they purposely throw it so it rolls end over end. And just rolls for like ever on the ground, <laughs> and it's insane. Like they yeah. play these these holes. They call them like par threes, and they're like five hundred feet long. It's like a it's almost like two football fields, and they just throw a frisbee like casually that distance, <laughs> and it's it's crazy. Like, and there's these two guys pretty much dominating the sport right now, Paul McBeth and uh, Ricky Wasaki. Wasaki. Yeah, Wasaki. I like that name. Yeah, it's a nice name. Uh, and uh, they pretty much are dominating the sport. They win most of the big events. Uh, there's another guy, Nate Sexton, who's uh, he's getting his name out there as well. And um, it's it's been a lot of fun to watch. If you actually go to their website, the PDGA.com, it's just that simple, 
pdga.com. Uh, they have a, a media tab, and you can click under that and go to uh, videos, I believe it is. And then you can get caught up on, like, all the latest rounds. And there's no commercials. And they actually cut from, like, one shot to the next. So you see all four guys tee off. And then the next thing you see is them, like, throwing their approach shots or, like, their putts, depending on how good of throwers they are. Yeah. And so it keeps it, like, really, like, repetitive. Not repetitive. But there's always action happening. Yeah, fast pace. Yeah, fast yeah, pace. Yeah. That's the word I was looking for. I was fishing for it, and uh, I got lost. But, yeah, it's really fast-paced, and you can watch, like, a full round in, like, half an hour. And interestingly enough, the uh, Pro Masters World Championships actually are going on from August 15th to August 19th. So going on right now, I believe it's up in uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. And so you guys can definitely go to PGA.com, media videos, check it out. It's 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 been a lot of fun to watch. Um, the guys, it's some of the big names aren't actually in the tournament from what I've seen, like Macbeth and, and Wisaki, the two guys I mentioned. They're not playing, but it's still... It's so crazy. The leader's 30 under through four rounds. And I'll tell you, I've played Frisbee golf. It's not, like, super easy to go, like, under par. I shoot, like, 20 over when I play one round, and these guys are 30 under. That's wild. After four rounds. It's crazy. You got to go. You got to do the roll technique then. Dude, I actually <laughs> tried one time. and uh, But the, the course I played at has so many trees and, like, logs on the ground. It just wasn't going to work. Oh, but yeah, yeah. I saw this one guy, absolute savage. So there's a, a road that was out of bounds. He threw his disc intentionally down the road in the rolling style, and it rolled for, like, super long, and then at the end just tailed off back into the inbounds <laughs> part of the course. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I was, it was so ballsy. And, uh, and speaking of out of bounds, they have a really weird, like, out of bounds setup, I guess. Like, if you throw it out of bounds, you pretty much – still throw from where the disc landed. It's just that you add an extra stroke to your score. So I saw one guy, it was like a par four, and he tried to go for the green. It was like 600, 550 feet, like uphill. Like launches it, comes up short, like in the long grass, out of bounds, and he just takes it from there, and he throws it right in the in the, the basket, in the chains. <laughs> and so he got like a birdie, and he went out of bounds. <laughs> and, That's uh, awesome. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. <laughs> and... Uh, Another thing I love about disc golf is it's super inexpensive. Yeah. Like real golf, you got to pay a lot to get on those courses, like 40 50 and bucks. And the clubs, too. And the clubs are really expensive. Like the discs, you could probably get like two or three of them for like 25 30 bucks, and most yeah. courses are free. Yeah. You just show up and play. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, now that, you know, I've, I'm, I'm probably going to be retiring from my golf career <laughs> and just moving to disc golf. Disc golf only. Yeah, strictly disc golf. And, um, and yeah, the sport's actually on the rise. Apparently it tripled in size during the 2000s. Wow. Yeah, like the number of courses tripled. And guys make a decent amount of money, actually. We were just looking at it. Yeah, yeah. And the uh, the leading money getter in 2017 is uh, that guy Ricky Wasaki. And he's made 46K this year. That's a job. Which, yeah, you could make a living playing playing disc golf. Yeah. So all the kids out there, stop trying to be like Mike. Stop trying to be like LeBron James. Just and, go throw a disc around. And be like Wasaki. <laughs> yeah, like Ricky Wasaki. He should be your idol. And, uh, yeah, if, if I ever have kids, I think I'm going to raise them to be pro disc golf players. Should, definitely. If it's, on the, if it's in, like, rowing sport, you know? Yeah. Don't let your kid play football, you know? He's going to grow up to be 35 and have all these crazy head problems. Or 35 and dead. Exactly. 
I mean, football field is still a great place to die. It is, yeah. I, I'll stand by that. I like that comment. I don't think you're dying on the uh, disc golf course. Unless, <laughs> probably Unless someone's probably like throwing like a, like a saw blade <laughs> and <laughs> just cuts your head off while you're down there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they do throw some, some dangerous tosses, but like no one's ever out there. Yeah. Like way out in front of the throw, so. Yeah. Yeah. But you got a you got a, a dope sport to get into. Too. Oh yeah, I got one. I was at um bar a couple weeks ago, and I think it was ESPN. It was one of those like sports broadcasting. Uh, the Ocho, up, like whatever. They did have the Ocho for a day. I saw oh, that. Wow. Yeah. But um, it was professional darts, and I was like, I was like, I knew there was professional darts, but I didn't really know that there was professional darts. Yeah, I was like, yeah. this is actually going on. <laughs> So I did a little research about it. There's the there's the NDA, which is the National Darts Association, but there's also the uh, PDC, which is the Professional Darts Corporation, and they are the ones that hold like the main event in Las Vegas in the United States, and it just happened in July. But let's get into oh, cool. the rules. Yeah, yeah. All Break right. So, uh, so professional darts is when they play. It's called the dart game is called five hundred one, right? So. Okay. The uh, the dimensions for it, so the board is supposed to be placed five feet, eight inches up. So the bullseye is five feet, eight inches up. Okay. And then you're throwing from a distance of seven feet, nine and a quarter inches. That's how far you throw it. That's the Why total is line. that specific? I have no idea. That's what it is. You <laughs> and put, a quarter inch. Yeah, so it's not like an actual line. It's actually like a little like platform. So you put your toe up against the platform, and you have to stand straight oh, up. okay. And hold it up by like your ear and like throw it and release it. So the game five oh one is both um, players or teams of doubles. It doesn't matter. They do doubles. Um, you start at five oh one and you throw the. You obviously throw three darts. And when you look at a like a, look at a dartboard, they have like that outside ring. That's the double ring. So say like you know you got like the seven in the bottom left corner. If you go and you hit that outside ring. Where the seven is, it's a double, so it's 14. Okay. So that's the double ring. The smaller ring on the inside is the uh, triple ring. So you get three times whatever your, like section you're in. The, obviously, the two spaces in between those rings are just single. You'll just get your single points. And then um, the bullseye is, is 50. So from you start with five and one, and you get three, three throws, and you try to get down to zero. But you have to get exactly zero, and you have to win on a double. So what? exactly. So it's if so, hard. so if you have like say you have forty five points left, you have to go up there and hit a single five, and then get a double twenty. You cannot yeah, win so if it's not on a double. If you don't, if you if you like mess up and don't win on a double, then your points go back to what it was before you you threw. So then you have to do it again. So if you have a forty five wow. and you you get the single five and you accidentally get like a triple twenty. You go back to what you just were. To forty-five or forty. You go back to forty-five. Wow. Yeah, and like these guys get pretty intense with this. I was watching some. I was I found a YouTube video like top five angry dart moments. <laughs> there was one guy who like needed a double to win, and I guess it was one of those pretty serious competitions. And he threw the dart and like just missed the double like by like a little bit, and he was just like. Fuck! And he like <laughs> went up to the board and like t- took his darts out and then just punched the dart, or, like punched the board right in the, like, the middle. And the ref was like, "Yo, you need to chill, you need to chill." And he's like <laughs> walking around like flexing and like fuming. <laughs> like I was like, "Oh my god, dude, it's darts! Like calm down." 
there's another guy who is like lined up. He puts his toe on the line. He's getting ready. He's lining it up. And there's pictures of people making like noise and stuff. And he like turns to the crowd and like goes like do like the cut it motion like with his like hand over his neck like yeah, oh, yeah. stop it. Then he throws his dart and messes up. And like starts complaining to the ref. He's like, oh, the crowd, like, shut up. I can't hear. He points to his ears. I can't hear. I can't hear. Can't like, hear. I don't know why you need to hear to throw your dart. But yeah, this yeah. guy was really pissed off that he couldn't hear. But I mean, honestly, you can actually do pretty well with darts. I know it's probably bigger in like other countries and stuff like that. But obviously, yeah. the United States does have its own competitions. But the number one guy in professional darts right now, his yeah, name is Michael Van Gerwen, right? He's yep. from the Netherlands. And just from, so from August 18th, 2015 to August 18th now, so it's two years. Yep. In that span of two years, he has made 2,532,468 pounds. Wow. Playing darts. Wow. His career earnings. (laughs) (laughs) If you don't know, 4,988,917. So so almost 5 million pounds in his career. But he's been playing for a while now. He started playing in 2011. But that's 2011 so, now. He's made five mil throwing darts. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's incredible. I like I. You know what? Like next time I go to a bar, like I'm gonna need to like, just be like, yeah, I want to play darts. Yeah, like, I'll take some shots. But we're playing darts. I'm gonna get this form going. You know, get that eye. You lined play up. a real five of one at the bar. I would play. I've played a different game. I haven't played five and one. I was gonna say you'll be there all night. <laughs> I would be there all night, but it's crazy, man. Like, and the one they just had a the PDC Professional Darts Corporation. They just had their uh, World Series of Darts Festival. Okay. In Las Vegas, that was in uh, July, and so they have like a few other. They have a few events. So they have uh, Tuesday the eleventh. They had like the two by uh, qualifiers. They had, that's the next day. Then on the thirteenth, they had like the North American Championship. And the final day was the PDC U.S. Masters final day. That was a Saturday, July 15th. And if you won that, you got 25K. Wow. And, like, this is just the United States. There are way, way bigger tournaments. Like oh, in, yeah, there in, must like, be. Yeah. That guy's making Like, there's million. one guy, like this guy, Michael Van Gerwen. He made, let me see, uh, I saw one that was crazy. He made 350000 from the PDC World Championship. Wow. How do they, where do they get that money? I don't know. I mean, tickets cost like 50 bucks to go to Las Vegas to watch them. Season tickets is like 150. So I feel like, I mean, there was actually quite a few people there watching. Like when he said that he was mad that people were like loud, it was kind of loud in there. (laughs) It was pretty intense. He was right. He He was was right. right. But I I just like, the funniest one I thought was when the guy like punched the board. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. (laughs) He started like shaking on the thing. The ref's like, come. And they have a ref too. They There's do a have ref. a ref. Like, There's a ref, a ref that. Do do? So like they throw the darts and then the ref like tallies the score, and that's it. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> he stands there, watches them on the toe line, make sure oh, they're yeah, not the like line. elbowing okay. or something. I guess watches yeah, the yeah. toe line, and then yeah, I know about elbow violations from uh, from Pong. From Pong, yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, so like yeah, that's what he does, and then he obviously has to keep these guys in check because it gets pretty intense out there. Yeah, yeah, keep them in check. Yeah, keep them yeah. in check. <laughs> It's got to be a pretty built dude to hold down these athletes, right? I mean, these uh, these guys are super athletic. I was watching them. Like, I feel like they need to do drug testing in the uh, PDC now because Ooh. some of these guys are jacked. Wow. And some you controversy. Know, you know, you got, I mean, it's all in the arm. It's all in the arm strength. So, you know, if you're taking some HGH and just working out that arm, you're going to get, you're going to get good. You can whip those darts. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, in, uh, in disc golf, I don't think that drug testing is a necessity. 
I don't know, if, man. You could you could throw those discs oh, no, pretty no, no. far if I'm you got sure, those jacked arms. You probably could, but I watched it and it's to to put it lightly, it's a bunch of nerds out there tossing around some frisbees. It's really <laughs> it's, <laughs> to put it lightly. It's it's really fun to watch and it is really intense. And they do huck the thing really far, but they do not look like they're on steroids. <laughs> like they look like normal people who just are low key superior athletes to everyone else. Yeah, yeah. Neither do darts. All, all the darts guys were fat. Every, oh, single, really? one, every single one was fat. Bald and head. The majority of them were bald yeah. or balding. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and probably alcoholics. I no, mean, that's, that's a tough. That's a tough thing to say. Yeah, but, yeah. but also, I'd like, I bad. feel like anybody that does end up in professional darts had to start out playing darts at, like, a bar or That was my thought I mean, you could... I I had, like, you know, one of those plastic, like, dart boards and stuff at my house when I was a kid. But that's because we had it in the bar that my brother made. So, like, that's... That's, like, that's what you do, man. Those those steel tip um, darts are pretty dangerous, too. Oh, yeah. Like, if you you piss one of those guys off enough and he just turns around and just hucks that at you... That's a death. No, that you could you could That's die. A death. Yeah, right into your eye. Game over. Game over. That would be a bullseye. I think you would automatically win the whole tournament for that if you got it right in the eye. But it's just crazy. <laughs> yeah, man, those darts players, dude, they're they're wow. so intense. I'm gonna have to check that out. Yeah, I don't know if they ever show these darts. I I think has been on TV every once in a while. Yeah, I saw. Yeah, more so than I mean, you just said you saw it on yeah. like ESPN or wherever it was. Uh, disc golf, I have not seen. Yeah, I've never seen on that on there. But you know, maybe maybe soon, with Macbeth and uh, Wasaki bringing the sport to the forefront. Um, and then there's one more I wanted to mention, and this is just this is something I watched in the 2016 Summer Olympics down in Rio. Ooh, Rio! And it's called the kayak slalom. Nice. And uh, pretty much the goal, so you can do. Um, so they, there's some do it in kayaks, some do it in canoes. There's two different like divisions of the sport. Sometimes it's singles, sometimes it's doubles. The one I saw was was singles in kayaks, and you pretty much go down these rapids, and there's like hanging gates, yep, yep. and you have to like swerve in and out like through them. Yeah. But and it's like time, so like the best time wins. But the most complicated thing is they have what are called like upstream gates, and you actually have to go through the gate like back up the way you started. Like, you have to go up the rapids, go through, yeah. so you go past it and, like, spin around it. And uh, and the penalties are, like, really strict. So it takes them, in, in the events that I've seen, it's, like, a minute and a half or so, the course. Probably a little bit more, close to, like, two minutes sometimes. Yeah. And if you touch with your head, with your kayak, with your paddle, anything touches the gate, and they're, like, not that wide. Yeah. They're, like... I don't know, three feet, four feet, maybe wide. And so if you're swerving on, like, rapids, it's tough not to hit them. And so it's impressive that these guys don't. But it's, I believe, a five-second penalty if you touch them, if you clip anything. And so that's pretty stiff considering it's only, like, two minutes long. Like, that would cost you, like, the whole race. Yeah. And then if you ever miss a gate, it's a 50-second penalty. Oh, my God. You miss a gate, you're done. Yeah, you're done. Like, I don't even know why they have that rule. It should just be like, you miss a gate, you're eliminated. And, uh, like, 50-second penalty, you have no chance. At that point, I would just go straight down the center. I'd put up, like, a raw score of, like, under a minute, but then my— Yeah, right, (laughs) as fast as you can. Like, you you finish the course in, like, like 13 seconds, but you miss, like, 20 gates. Yeah, yeah, you end up with, like, a 30-minute time. (laughs) But— Um, but yeah, it was, it was super intense because I actually, 
have gone kayaking a few times. Yeah. And it's pretty fun. fun. Yeah, kayaking is uh, really fun. And yeah, uh, most of the time I did it on like still water. Yeah. But there was one time I went down a river and there weren't really like rapids. Um, But we did have to dodge some rocks and, and trees and stuff. And it was pretty cool, and it got me thinking uh, I could never do kayaks long. I did see that. I did see that you did? on TV, too, and it was pretty impressive. Those people have crazy body strength, upper body strength to be able to go through, like cut through the water like that. Yeah. Like that, well, respect to them. And that was def- that's 100% intense. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If you're in there, you're in that little kayak, and you're like, <laughs> everybody's watching you, and you're like, fuck, like, I got to go I gotta go upstream right now to get through this gate. You're just paddling like, oh, man. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's crazy. And then also... It was, like, one of the only sports at Rio, like, for water sports anyway, that wasn't, like, dangerous to the athletes because it was artificially made. Like, the whole course, like, they built it nowhere near the water. Yeah. And uh, so it was really cool for fans, too, because they had, like, stanchions and, like, grandstands on both sides of the uh, of the river. And so it was cool. I would definitely go see that maybe L.A. Uh, 2028, you know? Oh, yeah. So. Oh, there's a pretty good prize money in this, too, I think. Oh, really? Did you just pull it up? Yeah, let me get to it real quick. See, I was trying to find it. It looks like, uh, you know, there's some type of, like, world championships and then the Olympics. And those, like, the big events for it. Yeah. Outside of that, you know, it's not like there's weekly or monthly competitions like darts or or disc golf. So, I don't know. I found it for canoeing. Oh, canoeing? Yeah. Is it canoe slalom? Yeah. Yeah, so those are pretty much the same thing. It's just a difference in the the equipment that you use. You know, the kayaks are like, like they call them decked canoes instead of regular canoes. Yeah, yeah. They're like flatter and smaller and they're like tighter to your body, I believe. Yeah, so the, the oh, I mean, it's not that good money. The series overall winner for this like competition is only 2700 but and you get 4000 if you're the overall winner. Oh, nice. Yeah, for the sprinting. But they're not they're not in it for the money. No, they're in it for they're the love of kayak. Passion. They're in it for the passion. Tiny boats. Intensity. The tiny boats. No boat. No boat. No boat. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's what they're in it for. Yeah. Well yeah, man. But those are some pretty intense sports and I guarantee you some of our listeners didn't know that they were that intense. Yeah, and we'll try to put you guys on. We'll mention a, a few more. Yeah, we'll bring it soon. back up. Maybe You uh, know, a few that are often wind mentioned. Surfing. Ooh, windsurfing. <laughs> wow. That would be intense. Oh, yeah. Uh, curling, another one. Speed skating. Speed skating. That's a Paulo Ono thing, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They got some... Yo, they got people, some... people actually, like, die from that. Oh, yeah. You f- like, you're, like, behind somebody, and they <laughs> fall, and their skate goes up, and just fucking... Yeah. Run. Oh, damn. And one guy got, like, whatever that main artery in your leg is, it got, like, k- severed. Oh. And he was just bleeding out on the ice. And he, they saved him, though. Yeah. They but, tourniquet, like, tourniquet there right away. Like. Yeah, I don't know. Like, people were, like, ready for it, somewhat prepared. Yeah. I mean, but I've seen guys stuff like, like that in to hockey, racing. too. I've seen where, like, a goalie got his, like, oh, yeah. neck slit. Yeah. yeah. That's why they have the neck guards now. Yeah, but there was a guy uh, who got his neck slit, like, recently, wasn't there? Really? I didn't Since, see it recently. Yeah, like, in the past five years, I want to say. Oh, that's scary. And, like, from what, I, from what I heard, he just, like, he, like, got his neck cut. It couldn't have been too deep. Yeah. But he like he got up and he skated to the bench and they fixed it. Oh yeah, he was and he holding went, it. Yeah, and he went back into the game. Yeah, I saw one that was a while ago that was a lot worse. Really, he was like on the ice, laying on the ground, blood oh. all over the ice. People over like helping him out. I wow. think he, I think he survived, but that one I think was pretty deep. Yeah, that's scary. Yeah, Oof. that's scary as shit. Oh my god, dude, you got to be some type of crazy to play goalie. Yeah, I mean, 
Especially, I mean, now they got the pads and stuff. You're still crazy, but I think it was, like, only in, like, the 80s or 70s. Like, the guys had, like, no pads, pretty much. Yeah, they would have no teeth, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like... Ovechkin still has no teeth, but... <laughs> yeah, that's true. He's he's one ugly man. Yeah. But, uh, and we haven't talked much hockey, so we'll have to get into that soon. Yeah, we'll get you into know, some the, hockey. I mean, there's no hockey going on right now yeah. that I know of. Yeah. But the NHL will start up uh, in mid-October, late October. Yeah, I think it's around there. Somewhere around then. Yeah. And we got a couple experts we can call in. I, I know some guys who are big hockey fans. We'll get them on as guests. Yeah. And uh, we'll get the phones popping. Get those phones popping. Yeah. And speaking of the phones, we got to give Jimmy Butler a call soon. I know, I know. I got to figure out where to draft him in fantasy. Yeah, I don't know. Now he's on Timberwolves. You got uh, Wiggins and Jeff Teague and Carly Towns, Towns yeah. over there, so... I still think he's gonna be he's the, he's, in, he's easily the number one option on that team, but still, that's a lot of. He went from a Bulls team. You would take Butler over Anthony Towns. Yeah, he's a guard. You're gonna have the ball in his hands. You're always gonna be a, a yeah, but the double doubles bigger option than Carlton Towns. Yeah, double doubles. I'm not saying like n- oh, not option for fantasy. fantasy. I'm okay, saying yeah, like yeah. scoring option. He's gonna be. Yep. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Yeah, but uh, yeah, we'll get this some some coverage up up that alley. Oh, yeah, and then there was, I saw a thing, I don't know if it's true or not, but I saw a thing that D. Wade's working on a buyout, and he should be bought out from his contract pretty soon. I did see that, yeah. So I wonder where he'll end up. Go to yeah, Cleveland. I was Go surprised. To Cleveland. Yeah, that'd be... Go to Cleveland. Uh, <laughs> I don't really want to see him in Cleveland. I do. <laughs> I want to see him in Miami. If he went back home, that'd be <laughs> sick. It would be, but it makes no sense. He, he opted into his contract. And is now working a buyout. Yeah, so... That's why. He's getting a buyout and he's going to get a new contract. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I don't know. Maybe he's one savvy. He weighs in it for the money. He's a he savvy, he deserves savvy it. man. Yeah. Banana boat gang. <laughs> All right. Well, I hope you but guys yeah. learned uh, something new there. Some new sports you can check out and get Go into. try your hand at darts or disc golf. Let us yeah. know how it goes. Yeah. Probably pretty tough to get into kayak slalom. Yeah. But darts and disc golf, I think, are pretty inexpensive options that you could go out and uh, If any of you guys get good, partake. if you guys, are you guys like listening to this? Like actually, like take up these sports and get good. Yeah. Um. If you're looking for like a manager or something like that, like hit us up. Yeah, we got you. We are we are pretty much experts on these sports now. So. Yeah. We got not you. in the not in the way of playing, but in understanding, yeah, not in the way of playing, but understanding, understanding business the nuances yeah. of the business. Yeah. The business, yeah. Yeah, I would have to agree. So. All right. Well, I think that's gonna uh, wrap up episode seven All today. Right. I know we haven't gotten uh, an episode out to you guys uh, too consistently recently. We'll work on that, and um, until then, it'll just be uh, an as-soon-as-possible schedule. Yeah. And, of course, we'll let you know. Just follow us on Twitter, and we'll tell you when episodes are up. Yep. yep. And uh, send in those tweets. Yeah. Ask us some questions, guys. Come on. So, uh, Kyle French signing off here. Michael Burke signing off. And uh, we'll be back with more Couchside Action next week. So we'll see you guys then. Oh, yeah. Action and intensity. And intensity. Always intensity.